Democrats ignore their own COVID rules while calling for everybody else to lock down. Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell call for Republicans to boycott the Georgia Senate races for some insane reason. And Barack Obama touches off a battle on the left by suggesting that the slogan, defund the police, is actually a bad idea. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your data from prying eyes at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, obviously, the big news of the day remains this giant COVID spike that the country is in the middle of. It looked like it might have been waning a little bit before Thanksgiving. It looked like we were on the other side of a slight curve. Um, but then it turned out that that was not, in fact, the case. What we are looking at today is the highest number of diagnoses of COVID that we have ever had in the country. We have over 200,000 diagnoses of the cases yesterday. And hospitalizations are at an all-time high as well. So are deaths. The deaths and the hospitalizations obviously trail COVID-diagnosed cases by a couple of weeks, which means things are going to get worse for at least another couple of weeks, not better. And given the fact that we are just coming off of Thanksgiving, there are a lot of people traveling for Thanksgiving, there are probably more infections. Now, again, my view on COVID and COVID rules has been pretty simple for a long time. Be cautious and be careful, but be reasonable with yourself. If you are young and you are healthy, your risk factors are not the same as if you are older or if you are infirm. If you have serious underlying conditions, you should be staying away from public places in which there are a lot of people, particularly in enclosed spaces. If you are young and you are healthy, you should be staying away from people who are particularly vulnerable. Right? My standard here has been pretty consistent. Unfortunately, the standards for everybody else, particularly the Democrats who are setting the standards, are not completely consistent. Okay, so here's the actual numbers that we have right now as of this hour. There are over 3,100 COVID-19 deaths reported on Wednesday. It's an all-time high for the pandemic. This is CNN reporting. Healthcare systems are struggling to support the weight of worsening impact. Well, I mean, truthfully, what you're talking about, even in major metro areas where you've seen a significant uptick in cases, is they are worried that the healthcare system might be overwhelmed by maybe the end of December, by about Christmas time. Um, in Florida, there's really no worry about that. Uh, in Texas, there's not been a lot of worry about the healthcare system being overwhelmed. Again, even in LA, where they've seen a significant spike, uh, they're not really worried about it being overwhelmed as of today. The more recent death toll is an increase of about 20% from the previous record of 2,600 set on April 15th. Of course, back in March and April, the middle of the country was not affected nearly at all by the pandemic. It really was a coastal phenomenon. It was really mostly a New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts phenomenon. But Obviously, it is now a nationwide phenomenon, including spikes in previously hard hit places. New York has seen a wave of COVID as well. Over the course of the pandemic, we are currently at nearly 275,000 people in the United States who have died, and at least 14 million people have been infected, according to data from Johns Hopkins. The truth is that it's probably closer to seven or eight times that number because, again, in the early days of the pandemic, testing was just not very good, and there are a ton of people who are walking around asymptomatic. The surge has pushed records set one day to be broken the next. The spike in COVID deaths came on the same day the number of people hospitalized broke 100,000, according to the COVID tracking project. The number of hospitalizations had been steadily growing over the course of the last month. That is because people don't go into the hospital and come out the next day. They linger there for a week, even before they are released. Now, the good news is that if those numbers had been 100,000 back in March and April, many of the, a huge number of those people would have died. Right now, some of those people will die, but the number of people who are hospitalized and end up dying in the hospital, much, much lower down, about 80% from where it was back in March and April, thanks to therapeutics and the fact that we now know how to treat this thing a little bit better. And the fact a lot of the people who are ending up in the hospital are, in fact, younger and healthier. It's a different cross-section of the American community. According to the American Ambulance Association, the 911 emergency call system is, quote, at a breaking point. Without additional relief, it seems likely to break even as we enter the third surge of the virus in the Midwest and the West. The CDC 
said Wednesday, things aren't likely to look better for hospitals anytime soon. Dr. Robert Redfield said, the reality is December, January, February are going to be really rough times. I actually believe they're going to be the most difficult time in public history health of the nation, largely because of the stress that's going to be put on our healthcare system. Okay, well, this has led to calls for massive lockdowns, particularly in highly populated areas. Uh, Eric Garcetti, who is the idiot mayor of Los Angeles, actually issued a massive lockdown order yesterday. By the way, lockdowns are happening all across the world. I mean, that, that is worthy of note. Right? Germany has extended its lockdown, for example. There are places all over, all over the world that are extending their lockdowns. However, Eric Garcetti has now said that he is going to tell everybody to basically stay home. Here was Mayor Eric Garcetti from Los Angeles telling everybody to stay home, except if you're in the film production business, in which case, go ahead and go to work. My message couldn't be simpler. It's time to hunker down. It's time to cancel everything. And if it isn't essential, don't do it. Don't meet up with others outside your household. Don't host a gathering. Don't attend a gathering. And following our targeted safer at home order, if you're able to stay home, stay home. Okay, well, this actually supersedes his lockdown order from June, and it mirrors the LA County rules that are stricter even than the LA City rules. Garcetti's order, uh, according to Fortune.com, prohibits public and private gatherings of people from more than one household, right? All gatherings of people from more than one household. So you want to get together with your brothers and sisters? No good. And states that all businesses in the city that require people to work on location must stop operations. I mean, there are certain exceptions to this. If you're a grocery store, you can still operate. Apparently, film production is still able to go on because, you know, that's an essential service. Walking, driving, travel on public transport, bikes, motorcycles, and scooters are prohibited other than for those undertaking essential activities. Okay, that's insane. I mean, that's perfectly crazy. The, the idea that you are not allowed to walk around in your neighborhood for exercise or that you're not allowed to get out in your car with your kids and just take a drive somewhere like to a public park and then drive back home, that's crazy. That's crazy. And then people wonder on the left why it is that people are not obeying the lockdowns, why this has not been particularly effective. Because when you promulgate insane regulations, nobody is going to keep them. There are several exemptions, including for faith-based outdoor services and the homeless. Others that can continue to operate include supermarkets, grocery stores, healthcare operations. That does not cover gyms and similar facilities. The city's safety protocols on social distancing follow those developed by L.A. County, of course. And L.A. County, of course, also happens to be a place where they banned outdoor dining the other day. So these, these regulations make no sense. Okay? Even if you were to claim, I think rightly, that indoor dining is more dangerous based on the data than outdoor dining, to ban walking and driving to places other than those for undertaking essential activities is nuts. I mean, what in the hell is he taught? You're not allowed to bike around the neighborhood? Are you going to be spitting on people while you bike? This is crazy. And then people wonder why people got COVID fatigue and just decided, you know what? Screw it. I'm relatively young. I'm relatively healthy. We're done here. And I'll tell you what else undercuts this. The fact that everybody in public life, including these Democrats, knows that these regulations are not going to be obeyed. So actually in LA, they're now trying to hit you with a misdemeanor fine if you do any of these things. They're actually going to try and enforce this thing. Good luck. So you've got a city that cannot stop rioting for weeks on end in the middle of the summer and in which Eric Garcetti went down to the protest with no mask to hang out with people. Okay? And yet they're going to enforce social distancing to the point where if I'm walking around in my neighborhood, if I'm walking a dog, then all of a sudden a cop's going to show up and write me a ticket. You can't even rouse the 65,000 homeless people living in LA County. Good luck with that. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact the holidays are coming up. And right now they're telling you, you shouldn't be traveling anywhere. Well, 
given those facts, the reality is you're going to be using the mail an awful lot. But you don't want to head down to the post office because that defeats the purpose. Instead, you should be heading over to stamps.com on your computer. With stamps.com, anything you can do at the post office, you can do with just a few clicks. Plus, stamps.com saves you money with deep discounts you can't even get at the post office. Here at Daily Wire, we've been using stamps.com since 2017. We don't waste our time or our money. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. Stamps.com is a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office sending out invoices or an online seller fulfilling orders during this record-setting holiday season, or even a giant warehouse sending thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it, and you get huge discounts like five cents off every first-class stamp, up to 40% off priority mail, up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office this year. Go to stamps.com and save time and save money the way we have at the Shapiro household and here at The Daily Wire. There is no risk. With my promo code Shapiro, get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro. That is stamps.com, enter code Shapiro. Okay, so meanwhile, Joe Biden is out there telling people that they should stop complaining about the COVID restrictions. Uh, he actually told people to talk to veterans of World War I, which is kind of difficult because they're all dead. It's now 2020. Anyway, here is, uh, here is Joe Biden. When I have this mask on, it's less about me being safe. It's about me making sure that you're safe. It's a patriotic thing to do. It really is. You know, I hear all this about, well, it's a great sacrifice of my freedom. Well, tell that to all the people who went to World War I and gave their lives, and World War II, and the Korean War. And tell, I mean, come on. You're helping other people. It's not you. It's other people. Other people. Okay, now, listen. I've been all along in favor of masking it in places where you're in close contact with other people, but this old doddering idiot telling you that you have to talk to veterans of World War I so you feel more patriotic and wear a mask, this is not about mask wearing at this point, okay? We have spikes everywhere in the country. People are wearing masks and they are still getting it because as it turns out, very few people are wearing the most effective type of masks. Many of the people who are wearing masks are not doing so in proper medical fashion. You actually require PPE training in order to properly wear a mask. You can, you can bring down the risk, but when you have community spread that is this prevalent, that community spread is unlikely to stop simply because you have universal masking orders in place. Universal masking has been a thing in LA and they just shut down the entire city again. Again, it was two weeks to stop the spread in March. I remember it was the week after my kid was born. And they've been locked down basically ever since. And so this, this, there was this bizarre, idiotic notion that there was some sort of silver bullet to the pandemic. And it was Joe Biden going on TV and telling people to wear masks or Democratic mayors of major cities telling people they should stay home. And that was going to solve this thing. That was never going to solve this thing. There's only one thing that's going to solve this thing. And that is the vaccine. Or it's going to move through enough of the population that a certain level of herd immunity is formed. The problem with herd immunity, of course, is that you can't actually control who is going to get this thing and who is not going to get this thing, which is why shielding the most vulnerable should have always been the top priority. But I'll tell you something else. The people who are promulgating these orders, they know that these orders are not keepable because they've not been obeying these orders themselves. There's one constant pattern throughout this pandemic, and that is the rules are for the little people. The rules are for people like you and like me. They're not for the specials. And not all animals are created equal. Some animals are more equal than others. And political animals are more equal than you. So, for example, London Breed is the mayor of San Francisco, determined to drive her city directly into the ground by making sure that low-level crimes are never, ever enforced. She suggested that they may need more restrictive action in San Francisco. Here was Mayor Breed. It's not good 
Cases are spiking, hospitalizations are increasing quickly. Our infection rate is higher than it was at a point during the summer. Our dangerous winter has arrived. The truth is we are going to have to take more restrictive action. And it pains me to say that. Everything we are asking you to do over the coming weeks and months is about that, saving lives. Okay, that's nice. So why were we at the French Laundry last month? Seriously, London Breed was dining at the upscale French. I don't know what's up with the French Laundry. Is it like just a hidey hole for the rich and famous? I guess it is. It's 400 bucks a plate or something. I've heard from people who have been there that it's quite good. But I'm just wondering why every politician in California feels the necessity to violate their own COVID regulations by going to the French Laundry. Best thing that I saw in the last week was a restaurant in L.A. It looked like a taco shop. They just put out a big sign on the front of it because they've been told they have to shut down. They put out a big sign on the front of it that said French Laundry Outdoor Patio to make fun of the fact that so many of these these Democratic politicians have been violating their own rules. London Breed just last month head on over to the French Laundry restaurant in Napa County. That came just after she joined seven others on November 7th to celebrate the 60th birthday of socialite Gorit Lo Liu, a spokesman for the mayor told the San Francisco Chronicle. Their dining area was in a partially enclosed room with a ceiling and a chandelier, just like Gavin Newsom's widely criticized birthday dinner at the restaurant one day earlier, one day earlier. Okay, so remember, it's not just London Breed, right? It was Gavin Newsom. Here's a flashback to Gavin Newsom talking about how he was so sad, apologizing for the fact that he went to an indoor dining restaurant while telling everybody else to stay home. You can quibble about the guidelines, et cetera, et cetera, but the spirit of what I'm preaching all the time uh, was contradicted, and I got to own that. And so I want to apologize to you uh, because I need to preach and practice, not just preach and not practice. And I've done my best to do that. Uh, We're all human. We all fall short sometimes. Uh, We've been out, and I think, for three times since. In fact, I know it's been three times because I remember all of those dinners very, very vividly. Oh, so he said, I love that. He sort of just slides right in there. By the way, I did this a couple more times also. Okay. It's not just Democratic politicians in California, however. It is also Democratic politicians in Texas. So this is a great story. The mayor of Austin, His name is Steve Adler. Yesterday or the day before, he decided that he was going to tell everybody that they ought to stay home. Don't travel. Stay home. Stay home if you can. Here was Steve Adler telling Austin residents to stay home in a Facebook video just in the last couple of weeks. The thrust of the most important messages trying to get out to the community right now is that our numbers are increasing and everybody has to be aware of that. And then we need to, you know, stay home if you can. Do everything you can to try to to keep the numbers down. This is not the time to to relax. We're going to be looking really closely. Uh, And and I'm going to add a new message. We have trying to do contact tracing to see if we may have to close things down if we're not careful. Okay, uh, that looks like kind of a nice background there. Steve Adler, mayor of Austin. Where, Where would you be, Steve Adler, mayor of Austin? Oh, well, he was in Cabo San Lucas in Mexico when he said this because Literally what happened is that while health officials were warning of an impending COVID spike, Austin Mayor Adler hosted an outdoor wedding and reception with 20 guests for his daughter at a trendy hotel near downtown. The next morning, Adler and seven other wedding attendees boarded a private jet for Cabo, where they vacationed for a week at a family timeshare. And then from the family timeshare in Cabo, after having gone to a pretty large event, he decided to lecture everybody in Austin about how they needed to stay home. Because the rules only apply to the little people, don't you understand? The rules only apply to the little people. 
We'll get to more of the rules only applying to the little... I mean, you wonder why we don't trust public officials? Because it feels like you guys want to lock everybody down except yourselves. You trust yourselves to be reasonable. And again, I, I'm trusting that Steve Adler isn't making bad decisions for himself and his family. I'm trusting that Gavin Newsom isn't making bad decisions. I mean, he's a 52-year-old man, I believe, who's in good health with no pre-existing conditions. Uh, I trust that Mayor Breed is in decent health and is taking care of herself. Because you know what? I trust people to make good decisions for themselves. This is not mean that you can't have local businesses that say you're not allowed to come in here without a mask. That's fine. You're a local business. You can do whatever you want. But this idea that Eric Garcetti is going to lock everybody in their house while allowing riots to overrun his city in the middle of the summer and giant protests to run down Melrose Avenue, smashing windows and burning police cars. Uh, no. I mean, the answer is no. No one's going to take you seriously, nor should they take you seriously, because you are not taking this stuff seriously. Right? It's it, the the bizarre sort of elitism of our political class who believe that they are brilliant enough to handle their own health, but you are not brilliant enough to handle your own health. It's, it's pretty irritating, and I think most Americans are and should be irritated with it. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let us talk about a fantastic gift you can do for somebody this Christmas or this Hanukkah. I'm talking about something really easy and something really fast and something really cool. I'm talking about myphoto.com. So very often, if you want to get somebody a photo, you have to go to printers, you have to print it, or you have to go to some sort of framing shop or something like that to come back and look all that great. It takes time. It's really time intensive. Instead, why not try my photo? So here's myphoto.com. Here's what they do. You take up, you have photos on your phone, right? You just go to myphoto.com. You upload the photo from your phone to myphoto.com and they send you back an email with all of the various options for the kind of objects you can put the picture on. We are talking about metal, glass, wood, and more. It takes two minutes to do. And then you get it in five days. And it comes in a beautiful gift box with the holidays coming up. I barely need to do anything to make something so personal and special. These guys have made millions of customers' memories come to life forever. You have to try it. It's really fun. It's really easy. And it's not expensive either. We have a couple of these around our house. We're going to get more because we have beautiful pictures of our little baby. And it makes it so easy, right? I mean, just take my phone, send the photo into my photo. Boom. Five days later, arriving in the mail is this beautiful photo. For us, we like the acrylic arrangement. It's really, really beautiful. The light shines through it. Go to myphoto.com right now. Use the code BEN25. Get 25% off. You'll see how easy and fun it is. It can be addictive. It is easy. It is fast. Anybody can do it. Go check them out right now. Myphoto.com. Plus, I know the owners of the company. Really good, solid family people. Go check them out right now. Myphoto.com. Use the code BEN25. Get 25% off. Makes a fantastic holiday gift, especially when we can't all be together. Okay, so it turns out that it is not just the Austin mayor either. It is the LA County supervisor, Sheila Kuehl. So you'll remember just a couple of days ago, it was reported that the LA County Board of Supervisors had banned outdoor dining. That did not stop Sheila Kuehl on Tuesday from attending a fancy Italian restaurant in Santa Monica outdoors. She was at Il Forno Trattoria in Santa Monica. I don't know what's up with California. Maybe because they're so strict and so crazy and it's a one-party state. But apparently every single politician in California will do this. All of them. Apparently, Sheila Kuehl's Spokesperson said she did dine al fresco at Il Forno on the very last day it was permissible. She loves Il Forno, has been sad to see it like so many restaurants suffer from a decline in revenue. She ate there, taking appropriate precautions, and sadly will not dine there again until our public health orders permit. Oh, uh, well, how about San Jose's mayor? Is he doing any better? No, of course not. So now it turns out that San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo appears to have broken health protocols in celebrating Thanksgiving with family members outside of his own household unit. Ah, uh, there's a shocker. The NBC Bay Area Investigative Unit has learned that Licardo celebrated with his elderly parents at their Saratoga home with an unknown number of other guests. 
While the mayor's staff did confirm the dinner took place, they haven't disclosed how many other people attended, how many different households were present, and whether any of those in attendance wore masks while not eating. This is a private event, not public, said Jim Reed, Lacaro's chief of staff. We're going to redraw the line between what is personal and what is public because that line has become blurred. Weird, because uh, Gavin Newsom and Eric Garcetti and Democrats all over the state of California have been suggesting that they will drive up to your house and ticket you if you are outside of your home with somebody else's family. But apparently, if you're the mayor of San Jose, it's fine. You can be there. COVID doesn't affect you. You're a Democrat. Demo- I mean, it's, it's really, it's amazing. Like, you can be there with your elderly parents and a bunch of other strangers in a room not wearing masks while eating, and it's totally fine, but all restaurants in the state of California should be shut down. Reed said that Licardo and other guests practice social distancing while gathering and eating outside. Well, if that's true, then why can't everybody do that? And the answer is that those other people are not special, like Sam Licardo is special. Remember, Sam Licardo is mayor of San Jose. He tweeted, like, while this was happening, like during Thanksgiving weekend, cases are spiking in part because we're letting our guard and masks down with family and friends. Let's cancel the big gatherings this year and focus on keeping each other safe. Well, again, doesn't apply to him. And by the way, you think I'm done here? I'm not done here. There's plenty more where this came from, gang. The Denver mayor, Mayor Hancock, he apparently made national headlines. Why? Because while telling everybody else that they should stay home, he hopped on an airplane to Mississippi to visit his wife and youngest daughter for Thanksgiving after telling everybody to refrain from traveling. He apologized on Monday. He said, first, I want to say my decision was unwise and hypocritical, a mistake that I want to deeply apologize for. My mayor, my job as mayor is not only help come up with safe practices for the entire city, it's also to set an example. On that measure, I failed. And they said, to try and make amends, I traveled back to Denver as soon as I could. I will, as I'd already planned to do, go into self-quarantine until I'm confident through testing I'm not infected, but I realize none of this is really good enough. I'm hoping the people of Denver can forgive me. Well, again, he's a special. He shouldn't have to apologize. He's a special person. Because they're all special people, don't you understand? If you are a Democrat, you are special, and the rules do not apply to you. If you were protesting for Black Lives Matter and spitting all over other people, COVID didn't apply to you because it's a woke virus. If you're a Democratic elected official, it doesn't apply to you. If, however, your last name is Trump, then you are actually the creator of the virus. You are the person who wants the virus to spread. If you're a governor around DeSantis in Florida, you are to blame for the virus's spread. Doesn't matter that right now the per capita rates in Florida are way below most other states at the top of that chart. Okay, but... Doesn't matter. Ron DeSantis is bad. Trump is bad. Christy Noem is bad. All the Democrats who put in place these rules and then ignore them, those are good. Those are good Democrats. And it's all of them. It's all of them. Remember, Andrew Cuomo, the greatest governor in all the land, governor of New York, Captain American crisis leadership man. COVID-19 shipped the elderly people back in the nursing homes with COVID. That guy told everybody to stay home for Thanksgiving. And then he just casually announced on the radio that his mother, who's 89, was coming for Thanksgiving along with his daughters. That is the intergenerational kind of gathering that we have been told not to pursue during Thanksgiving. Here is Andrew Cuomo. The story is my mom is going to come up and two of my uh, girls is the current plan. But the plans change. Um, But that's my plan. And then it was whoopsie doodle, right? Then it was whoopsie. You know what? My plan is we we, we changed our plans. We're not doing that anymore. You'll remember Mayor Lori Lightfoot from Chicago, the the woman who suggested after the election that science was back. Science was back. You remember that Lori Lightfoot went out to get her hair done in the middle of the pandemic. And then she was asked about it. And she's like, you know, it's an essential service that I get a haircut because I'm special. I mean, first of all, whoever does her hair doesn't do a great job. But beyond that, I'm pretty sure that's not an essential service. Here was Mayor Lori Lightfoot defending her own violation of her quarantine rules. 
I'm the public face of the city. I'm on national media, and I'm out in the public eye. And you know, I'm a I'm I'm a person who I take my personal hygiene very seriously. As I said, I felt like I needed to um, have a haircut. I'm not able to do that myself, and so I got a haircut. First of all, if she has a Black and Decker cordless saw, she could do that haircut. Okay, but be- <laughs> not that I'm a stylist, but that that is not like. Uh, Jennifer Aniston hair circa 1997. Okay, not a lot of fancy stuff going on with that hair. But that was an essential service because she's special. Bill de Blasio was so special. He could go to the gym, like to the YMCA, just hours ahead of the New York coronavirus shutdown early on. The rules only apply to people who are not who are not these people. The specials don't have to follow the rules. And then people wonder, well, why aren't you following the rules? Because you know what? None of these people are better than I am. And they certainly ain't smarter than I am. So guess what? I'm going to follow reason. I'm going to follow logic. I'm going to take precautions I should be taking. And I trust other Americans to do the same because that's the nature of freedom. Not that you get to run around spitting in everybody's face, but that you get to exercise your own reason so long as you are not threatening others. End of story. And we'll get to more of this in just one second because the media coverage on this stuff is just egregious as always, as always. We'll get to more of it in a second. First, let's talk about a threat to your asset base. So you have a lot of assets in your house, right? You got some jewelry, you got your cars, but your most expensive asset, the asset that probably makes up a huge portion of your actual household asset is your house, right? Your house is a giant asset. Nobody's going to back up a truck to your house and like drive it away or something, but they can get the value that is inherent in your home through home title theft. So what is this? Well, a cyber thief finds your home title online, forges your signature on a quit claim deed, stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home until your equity is gone. You won't know until the collection calls pour in. You're not protected by insurance, your bank, or common identity theft programs. Well, home title lock will protect you. And in the unlikely event you become a victim of title theft, well, remember, home title lock will spend up to a quarter million dollars in legal fees to help restore your home's title in the first place. So head on over to HomeTitleLock.com right now. Register your address. See if you're already a victim. Then use code radio and you get 30 free days of protection. That is code radio at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, go check them out at HomeTitleLock.com and use code radio for 30 free days of protection to protect your most valuable asset. Okay, so as always, the media coverage on this stuff is absolutely egregious. All you see is the top line stats, right? The number of deaths, the number of cases, right? Then, then will not tell you how many cases have been diagnosed versus how many of asymptomatics are, are walking around. They, they will not tell you the striation in terms of the public health risk per population. And the answer is, unless you have a fairly significant underlying condition, COVID is not supremely deadly for you. It is slightly more deadly than the flu if you are healthy. But even then, it depends on the age striation. If you're under the age of 20 and you don't have a significant underlying condition, even if you do have a significant underlying condition, you're actually under the age of 20. Your chances of death are lower than that of the flu. If you're between the ages essentially of 20 and death and you don't have any significant underlying condition, then this thing is not supremely deadly. The vast majority of people who have died of this thing have a significant underlying condition. Johns Hopkins University did a study. What they found is that of all the people who have died of this thing, while on Medicare, meaning everyone in the country over the age of 65, which is like the bulk of people who have died in this country from this thing. A grand total, this is as of maybe a couple of weeks ago, a grand total of 2,500 people over the age of 65 on Medicare died with no serious pre-existing condition. Okay, what does that mean? It doesn't mean you should willy-nilly go around and act like the thing doesn't exist. And it means that you should assess your own health risk. But again, I am fully cognizant of the fact I think people can be reasonable about their own health and the health of people they love and the health of their neighbors. That's why I haven't been robustly anti-masking, particularly when you are in close quarters with other people. But the mandatory lockdowns, 
The idea that Democrats can simply lock you in your home and then they can go out to the French laundry. No, the answer is no. It doesn't have to be this way. People can be reasonable. I've talked about this before. So I've been in California where it's full lockdown all the time, crazy towns, people staring at you and yelling at you. If you don't wear your mask, even if you're jogging 13 miles away from them, they'll like call you up on your phone just to chide you if you're not wearing your mask because they've got a satellite watching you. And then you come over to Florida and Florida is basically like, listen, use your own rational, use your own, ra- use your own rationality, use reason. And you know what? We are using reason. Okay, if I want to eat outdoors with my family, I will eat outdoors with my family. If I want to get together with others and socially distance, I will do that. We recently got together with the rabbi of my synagogue. The rabbi of my synagogue happens to have an underlying condition. We sat very far apart outside and we talked and it was great because guess what? People have brains. This this does go to liberal versus conservative. A lot of people have wondered, why is it that lockdown orders in the United States have broken down left versus right? Because actually what you see all over the world is that it has broken down in reverse in some areas, right? It's the left in Israel that is protesting against Benjamin Netanyahu's lockdown orders. Netanyahu is of the right. You've seen in Great Britain that Boris Johnson has engaged in lockdown orders and he's been hit by both people on his right and people on his left. So why is it such a left-right issue in the United States? And the answer is, the reason it is a left-right issue in the United States is that many people on the right have basically said, listen, the basic function of liberty is that you get to exercise your freedom so long as you're not harming anybody else. And that means that we trust you to be smart enough to protect yourself and to take measures to protect people that you love and to protect your neighbors. Like we're not going to go around and allow you to just, you know, infect people with COVID willy nilly, but we are also going to rely on human beings to act reasonably. Okay, that is a a basic conservative position. Okay, then there is the left wing position, which is we don't trust the people to do anything. We can run your life better than you can. The rules don't apply to us because we're smart, but you're stupid. And so we are going to lock everything down and we are going to dictate rules to you that are completely onerous, non-sustainable, and we're going to enforce them with the power of law. That's why it's become a left-right issue in the United States. It didn't have to be a left-right issue in the United States. There was a happy medium. The happy medium tended to be more liberty-oriented, but the left has decided that liberty itself is the challenge. I can't tell you the number of ridiculous think pieces I have seen over the past few months from folks on the left saying it's the American concept of liberty that is to blame for all of this. Well, that's weird because um, about a million and a half people have died worldwide. Also, if your big problem with the pandemic is the American concept of liberty, let me suggest that you are both not understanding how this pandemic works and also that you don't understand how liberty works. And what you really want more than anything is just control. And there is this sort of paganistic aspect to so much of how people are thinking about COVID-19. The most obvious example of this I can think of, Prince Harry yesterday. He's a nut. Okay, so he said in a recent interview for Waterbear, a streaming platform dedicated to environmental documentaries, which is just, I mean, riveting stuff. Can't wait to subscribe to Waterbear and watch a documentary about the salmon swimming upstream. That's going to be some stellar material. Prince Harry's lofty wish, according to the New York Post, is for every person to be the, quote, raindrop that falls from the sky and relieves the parched ground. But, okay. He said, at the end of the day, nature is our life source. Wow. Tell me next that people need water to survive and air to breathe. Yes, this, this is true. Now, th- this is my favorite part. Here he goes. He says, somebody said to me at the beginning of the pandemic, it's almost as though Mother Nature has sent us to our rooms for bad behavior to really take a moment and think about what we've done. Um, that is just paganistic crap right there. Why don't you perform a human sacrifice to Mother Nature there, Harry? So Mother Nature apparently is, t- Mother Nature is sentient. And th- this is the party of, these are the people of science, the people of science. Right. Follow the science. Also, Mother Nature is angry at us. 
right? The pandemic is angry at us. So presumably, if we perform some sort of propitiation ritual, then the gods will alleviate our horrifying condition and all of this will go away. Thanks, Prince Harry. Really appreciate it. And the media treat it the exact same way. They treat it the exact same way. So here's an example. Christy Nome. They're, they're now doing to Christy Nome what they tried to do to Ron DeSantis very early on. So very early on, the talk was Ron DeSantis killing millions in Florida. They had this idiot who was walking around wearing like a death, a death costume on the beaches in Jacksonville. Where, by the way, I'm not aware there were any diagnosed cases spread on the beaches in Jacksonville. He was walking around like a Grim Reaper costume telling people to socially distance. He was a lawyer, which says a lot for my industry. And um, Ron DeSantis was, of course, the font head of death. And we got headlines from The Atlantic about how Brian Kemp in Georgia, he was performing an experiment in human sacrifice. That was an actual headline in The Atlantic. Georgia's experiment in human sacrifice didn't happen. And meanwhile, Andrew Cuomo up, up north in New York was doing a fantastic job. Well, now they are doing the same thing to Christy Nome. So Christy Nome is super duper pooper scooper bad. She's awful, awful, awful. She's so awful she kills her own grandmother, according to the Daily Beast. Now, there's only one problem. Christy Nome's grandmother did not, in fact, die of COVID. Not only that, Christy Nome in South Dakota has not prevented people from protecting nursing homes. The entire premise of this piece, however, is she doesn't care if her own grandmother died of not COVID. Okay, I'm going to get to this piece in, in, in a second because it does demonstrate the full-scale insane value system and judgment that are brought upon people of the right by people of the left in the media who will, meanwhile, just sort of, shy. yeah, it's kind of bad that Gavin Newsom went to the French Laundry, but at least he's promulgating the right policies, guys. I mean, sure, Stalin has his Dasha, and, and it's, really, it's a really nice Dasha, like out in the woods. It's really, it's really fantastic. And sure, everybody else is super poor, but it's the system that matters. And that system is bringing equality and justice. We'll get to more of the double standard in just one second. First, let's talk about a fantastic, meaningful gift. Okay, so over the couch, in our den, we have this beautiful portrait. It's a portrait of me and my wife and two of our three kids. We need to update the portrait. We're going to get a new portrait from paintyourlife.com because we have a beautiful squishy baby. We need to go to paintyourlife.com. Here's what paintyourlife.com does. You can get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. You can send any picture, yourself, your kids, family, a cherished pet. You can combine photos into one painting. So even if people aren't together, they will just mash those up and turn it into a beautiful portrait. With Paint Your Life's compilation portraits, you can bring your family members together, people who never had the chance to meet, or you can create a portrait of the whole family without the need for everybody to be there for a family photo. You can choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. It's a quick and easy process. You can get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. It's meaningful, personal, it can be cherished forever. It makes the perfect holiday gift for somebody you love or for yourself. Just go check them out right now at paintyourlife.com. And they are offering a special offer. As a limited time offer, you get 20% off your painting. That is correct, 20% off and free shipping. To get the special offer, text my name, Ben, to 64,000. That is Ben to 64,000. Again, text Ben to 64,000. Paint your life, celebrate the moments that matter most and get started right now. Okay, in just one second, we're gonna get to the media's coverage of Christy Nome because it is fully crazy. First, if you're not already a Daily Wire member, now is the time to join. We've got some incredible stuff right around the corner. So for example, starting this Friday, December 4th, the Michael Moles Show is going five days a week to my great consternation and rage with more content for our members to enjoy or alternatively suffer through. We are also adding the entire PragerU catalog to dailywire.com by the end of the year. We've already uploaded all of PragerU's five-minute videos, the Candace Owens show from PragerU, Michael Moles' book club. The rest of the library is being added as we speak. And early next year, Candace is joining the Daily Wire here in Nashville. She'll be launching a brand new Daily Wire show in front of a live studio audience. It's the first of its kind show ever on the right. It should be awesome. We are also launching our first feature film. It's a legit feature film under Daily Wire's upcoming entertainment channel. It, it's kind of awesome. 
We are building a new investigative journalism team as well to replace that legacy media cartel. So go outside the narrative. Come on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. We are loud, opinionated. We are having a good time and we are taking down the legacy media. We need your help to do it. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Also, you have not ordered them yet. Check out our Daily Wire Christmas ornaments. Yes, all of us were immortalized forever on the Daily Wire Christmas ornament, including me, Santa's most adorable Orthodox Jewish elf. Okay, go check out those bizarre ornaments by texting Christmas to 83400 and get your tree decorated with me. I'm very handsome. Knowles, he's Knowles. Jeremy Boring, very beardy. Matt Walsh, also very beardy. And, uh, and an alien that looks like Andrew Clavin. Text Christmas to 83400 to get your tree decorated now. These ornaments are going fast, so get yours right now. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So as I'm mentioning, the media have been going hard after Christy Noem. Why? Well, because she is a very good governor. She's very effective. She's very charismatic. And obviously, she's a very good-looking woman. And this scares the living hell out of the Democrats who see her as a possible Republican nominee or vice presidential nominee in four years if Donald Trump does not emerge victorious, maybe even if he does in 2024. Okay, so here is the Daily Beast take on Christy Noem, right? She's in the new face of the villainous crew. Before, it was, it's always Republican governors, you've noticed. Have you noticed, right? It's Ron DeSantis or Greg Abbott or perhaps Brian Kemp in Georgia. Meanwhile, Governor Gavin Newsom in California, who's doing a crappy job, or Andrew Cuomo, who's doing cra- amazing, amazing at their jobs. Okay, so Christy Noem is the new villainous of the day. This is the worst story ever. Okay, you ready? Anti-mask Gov's grandmother died in nursing home, ravaged by COVID. Now, if I just read you that headline, wouldn't that sound like her, ma- her grandma died of COVID and that it's kind of her fault, right? Isn't that the idea of the headline? Especially because the, the sub-headline is, and yet, Christy Nome continues to downplay the virus, refuse a mask mandate, and ignore the terrible price her state is paying. And I'm gonna read you the story. And as you'll see, not a single fact in this story backs up the headline contention. It turns out grandma did not die of COVID. It turns out the nursing home in which grandma lived was not infected due to lack of a mask mandate. It turns out they took serious precautions in the state of South Dakota, particularly with regard to nursing homes. Doesn't matter. Christine Ohm's bad. And she's bad and we're going to rip on her because grandma died. That's how evil and disgusting many of our legacy media are. Okay, the author of this garbage piece, a guy named Michael Daly, says on Monday, South Dakota Governor Christine Ohm buried her grandmother, who was among 13 to die over a two-week period at a top-rated nursing home swept by COVID-19. The 98-year-old grandmother, Aldous Arnold, is said by Noam's office to have tested negative for the virus, though no cause of death was given. So why are we talking about how she died of COVID when she didn't actually die of COVID? The other 12 of the 13 deaths between November 14th and 28th at the Esteline Nursing Home are described by the administrator, Mike Ward, as COVID-related. All but one, Ward told the Daily Beast. But one less is still a dozen COVID deaths in a short period in one small facility. The number makes clear the lunacy of Noam's downplaying of the pandemic and her continued refusal to impose a statewide mask mandate. Okay, so now you'd say, okay, well, it sounds like if there'd been a mask mandate, then everything would have been fine. Nope. So Noam tweeted, I've always taken COVID-19 very seriously, but South Dakota trusted our citizens to exercise their personal responsibility to keep themselves and their loved ones safe. But the report from Esteline Nursing Homes in a town of the same name made clear South Dakotans are anything but safe. Ward confirmed that along with the deaths, all but two of the surviving 38 residents and at least 16 of the staff had tested positive. The two most recent deaths were on Saturday, helped raise the statewide daily total to 54, a record for South Dakota, which has fewer than 1 million people. None of this is to say that Noam is at all cold-blooded when the lives include one of her own clan. She tweeted a moving tribute to Arnold on November 22nd. 
We lost my grandma today, but she is finally where she's wanted to be for quite some time with Jesus and grandpa and my dad and Ryan and so many loved ones. I remember when my dad died, she said to me with tears rolling down her cheeks, children should never die before their parents. I'd never seen my grandma die before. Noam's father, Aldous Arnold's son, was killed in a 1994 accident involving farm machinery. Ryan Arnold, Aldous's grandson and Noam's cousin, died in 2010 of surgical complications after donating part of his liver to his brother. And she talked about her grandmother and how wonderful she was. If her gnome to have mentioned the dozen other dead would have raised the specter of the virus that killed them, even as she was continuing to claim she'd brought it under control by invoking personal responsibility rather than mandating a vital precaution. Again, mask mandates have been tried in Germany. Boom, spike. Italy, spike. UK, spike. France, spike. The, the idea that mask mandates are the cure-all is idiocy. It is not backed by the evidence. This is not to say you should not wear a mask. You should be reasonable for the 1,000th time this show and the 1 millionth time since the pandemic began. But the, the media have the silver bullet. And if you don't yell mask mandate from the rooftops, then apparently you're responsible for every COVID death that happened subsequently. Now, now, here's the best part. Okay, so they start off with the assumption that her grandmother died of COVID. Then within the first two paragraphs, turns out grandma didn't die of COVID. Then the next assumption is, well, she must have blown it somehow with regard to policy at the nursing home, right? I mean, we're, after all, the entire article is predicated on her not caring about the elderly in her own state. Whoops, here we go. Nobody could rightly blame the nursing home itself for failing to protect its residents as best it could. State and federal inspectors had consistently given the home their highest ratings. Its record is unblemished by so much as a serious single violation. The family of one of the dead 90-year-old Artis Applin described Esteline to the Daily Beast as excellent and reported that the home took extensive precautions against COVID-19 long before anybody there tested positive. Applin's son-in-law, David Harold, said visitors were required to wear masks and met with the residents in a separate room partitioned by plexiglass and plastic sheeting. Visitors and residents were kept separated. But through the plastic, Harold could see that Applin was continuing to thrive since moving into the home in June. Then, as best as Ward can tell, an asymptomatic staffer brought the virus into the facility from the outside, presumably having caught it in the realm where masks are not required and where Gnome has allowed people to gather in crowds as large as a quarter million at a bike rally. Okay, so there's no evidence that the person even got it at the bike rally. We have no idea where the person who got it got it. Lots of people have been getting it in New York, in California. California is experiencing a massive surge right now. Okay, and the idea is Christy Gnome is somehow responsible for an asymptomatic person picking up the virus from community spread and bringing it into a heavily protected nursing home. That's the Daily Beast idea. I mean, I'm sorry, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous on its face. But this is the way that the media are going to cover this stuff. You can break whatever rules you damn well please if you're a Democrat. And if you are a Republican, then you don't have to break any rules. In fact, you can try to protect the elderly. In fact, they will, they will blame you for everything. They'll blame you for a grandmother who didn't die of COVID in a facility that was basically wrapping people in bubbles. It's unbelievable. Except it's all too believable, of course. Okay, meanwhile, Barack Obama has come out and he says that he's going to take the vaccine on national TV. There are three ex-presidents, actually, who have said that they are going to take the vaccine on national TV. George W. Bush and Bill Clinton and uh, Obama, I believe, have all said they will take the vaccine on national TV to demonstrate that it is safe. That is a good thing. A little late here, President Obama. Just going to note that. Kamala Harris spent half of the presidential race suggesting that she would not take the vaccine if it was approved by Trump. Here is Barack Obama now walking that back. I'm glad he's walking it back. By the way, you want to hear more about vaccines? Take a listen to Knowles' show today. He talks at length about the vaccines. Here was uh, here is Obama. If you're a first responder, you should take that vaccine. Uh, and I promise you that when it's then made for people who are less at risk, um, I will be taking it and, and you know, I may end up taking it on, on TV or having it filmed just so that people know that, uh, you know, uh, you know, 
I, I, I trust this science. Okay, well, I'm glad he does. I wish that the Democrats would have said that back during the summer when they were all saying they would not, right? Andrew Cuomo said that he would not actually approve the vaccine for use in his state, absent a separate panel in New York State evaluating the efficacy and safety of the vaccine. So uh, thanks for intervening on that, President Obama, now. Uh, right, right when it's not all that useful, I really very much appreciate it. Like, I'm glad, he, seriously, more seriously, I am glad that he is doing it. I'll just note that he didn't say anything about this prior to the election, when it was just Donald Trump is bad all day long. Okay, speaking of the election, there's still some remaining lawsuits that are outstanding around the country. There's a good rundown by Joel Pollack over at Breitbart on this. So basically, in Arizona, Kelly Ward, who leads the Republican Party of Arizona, is challenging the election results, arguing the state's vote-by-mail procedures are too lax. Observers were not able to verify the ballots being counted. A judge allowed her access to about 100 ballots so she could check to see whether, in fact, they were being improperly tallied uh, and whether there were mismatches between signatures and, uh, and ballots and, and all of this. In Georgia, the only live lawsuit, there are a couple live lawsuits. One is from Sidney Powell, uh, claiming bizarre things about Dominion that have yet to be proved in any serious way. As we'll see, Sidney Powell, uh, things are starting to collapse real fast for Sidney Powell and for, uh, and for Lynn Wood. These are the two sort of rogue lawyers who are out there filing lawsuits. Meanwhile, in Georgia, there's a lawsuit by the Thomas More Society arguing that the Center for Technology and Civic Life funded public safe elections operations in predominantly Democratic counties, violating state law and violating the Equal Protection Clause. It's unlikely that that is going to succeed in Michigan. Powell has a suit. So does the Amistad Project of the Thomas More Society. They are suing over Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson's decision to send absentee ballot forms to every registered voter, allegedly with no authority and lax standards. Again, you're going to have to prove that this resulted in fraud that was greater than the 150,000 votes disparity between Trump and Biden in the current counts. In Nevada, the Trump campaign has sued six, six electors for Joe Biden on behalf of six Republican electors, alleging that Nevada authorities, quote, developed and implemented, and implemented an election system that was highly susceptible to fraud and abuse. The lawsuit claims a flood of mail-in ballots. Officials in Clark County used electronic verification methods that are allegedly unreliable. But again, this is more about the possibility of voter fraud, which theoretically could change procedures for the future rather than overturning the results as they currently stand. There are a couple of cases that are currently active in Pennsylvania. One particularly comes with regard to the expansion of mail-in voting, which is unconstitutional. It kind of looks like facially under the Pennsylvania state constitution. The problem is the remedy is unlikely to be provided by the federal judiciary because the Pennsylvania Supreme Court didn't provide it. And it's a state issue. And also the remedy, even if there were to be a remedy, is unlikely to be tossing out all of the ballots that were mailed in absentee in Pennsylvania this year. In Wisconsin, there's a lawsuit by the Amos Center for Justice and Liberty. It seeks to have the state's mail-in ballots that were placed in drop-off boxes invalidated on the grounds that the boxes were illegal. There's also a lawsuit by the Wisconsin Voters Alliance targeting the, the CTCL, which is that group that has been doing the, the get-out-the-vote efforts mainly in Democratic areas. None of this is to suggest, of course, that voter fraud and voter irregularity aren't real. I think they're very real, and we've seen proof of some of it in this election, for sure. Now, President Trump gave a 46-minute speech last night talking about how our system is under siege. He repeated a lot of the claims that his people have been making all over the country. Here was President Trump last night. We used to have what was called Election Day. Now we have Election Days, weeks and months, and lots of bad things happened during this ridiculous period of time, especially when you have to prove almost nothing to exercise our greatest privilege, the right to vote. As president, I have no higher duty than to defend the laws and the Constitution of the United States. That is why I am determined to protect our election system, which is now under coordinated assault and siege. Okay, so uh, part of this is, is not 
court cases, again, as I've been saying from the beginning, the legal process is going to be basically through the courts. And so this last ditch effort being made by the Trump campaign to go in front of various state legislatures in Arizona and Michigan and House Oversight Committees in Michigan uh, and bring people forth to testify that they have seen voter irregularities and or voter fraud. And some of these people are pretty compelling, actually. Uh, there was a, a, an Indian woman last night, as in from India or of Indian extraction, uh, and uh, she testified last night in Michigan. She was actually pretty compelling talking about how there were people, supervisors, who didn't understand how the voting machines work and that when the, the machines jammed, instead of taking out the ballot and tossing it because it had now been rendered basically moot because you couldn't actually see who, who voted, uh, they, would, they would instead try to count the vote and count it for Joe Biden. I mean, there, there's been some evidence that's been brought forth here, and all of these allegations should be investigated. Probably the, the most bombshell allegation was brought forth by a truck driver named Jesse Morgan. Uh, he was testifying in front of the Michigan House Oversight Committee, I believe this was. Uh, actually, actually, he did this at a presser in Arlington, Virginia, rather. And uh, here he was claiming that as a truck driver, he was driving completed ballots from New York to Pennsylvania, and they were sort of put aside. He was suggesting that these were fraudulent ballots that were eventually not counted. Again, it would be good to get some support for these affidavits. Just because you file an affidavit not in court where it's not punishable does not mean that what's filed in the affidavit is right. There are lots of people who file affidavits that are not, in fact, correct. I mean, I believe Christine Blasey Ford made allegations that were not substantiated with regard to Justice Kavanaugh. But should this be investigated? Absolutely. Here is this, uh, here's this truck driver. I know I saw ballots with return addresses filled out, thousands of them, thousands, loaded onto my trailer in New York and headed for Pennsylvania. At first, I didn't think it was a big deal. But as things became weirder, I got to thinking and wondered why I was driving complete ballots from New York to Pennsylvania. So apparently, uh, he then left the trailer someplace and then the ballots were not counted, something like that. In any case, that's a pretty serious allegation. Obviously, that should be investigated. I'll tell you, however, what is complete idiocy. So yesterday, Linwood and Sidney Powell, you know, the Kraken lady and, and Linwood, both of whom apparently have donated some significant money to Democrats in the past, particularly Lynn Wood, as, as we'll discuss in a moment. They called on Brian Kemp to resign and they urged Republicans not to show up and vote in the Georgia Senate elections. That's insane. OK, whatever you think happened in this election, you're nuts if you sit out this election because you're mad about what happened to Trump in the Georgia election 2020. That's crazy. So you're going to allow Raphael Warnock to take that Senate seat and John Ossoff to take that Senate seat? Are you out of your damned mind? Are you crazy? So your solution to Democrats, in your view, stealing an election is to allow them to take control of the Senate? That is your solution? Hey, here were Linwood and Sidney Powell demonstrating full scale they're being crazy people. Until Brian Kemp comes out and orders a special session of the Georgia legislature. Get us our legislature and tell everybody we want our legislator to meet and we want him to fix the mess that he created. And then he can resign. They've got to demand publicly, repeatedly, consistently, Brian Kemp call a special session of the Georgia legislature. And if they do not do it, if Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue do not do it, they have not earned your vote. Don't you give it to them. So, excuse me, don't vote for the Republicans in the Senate races unless they call on Brian Kemp to call the legislature together to vote for Trump in the presidential. This is, so your solution is to put Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff in the Senate. Hey, worth noting, Breitbart going very hard after Lynn Wood today. 
pointing out here that there is no record in Georgia of him ever voting for President Trump in 2016 or 2020 in the Republican primaries. He did vote in the 2020 and 2016 general elections in Georgia, but there's no record of him pulling a GOP primary ballot either of those years. Also, apparently, he has given money to a wide variety of Democrats, apparently, including, apparently, he uh, he worked with, he, he worked with Stacey Evans, a Georgia Democrat gubernatorial candidate in 2017. He gave her nearly $13,000. Evans would go on to lose to, uh, to Stacey Abrams in that gubernatorial primary. Wood then donated another 2,500 bucks to Evans in November, 2015, 2,300 more in March, 2010, 2,400 more in May, 2009. And in December, 2009, another hundred bucks. He also gave money to Senator Jason Carter, a Democratic candidate for governor of Georgia in 2014. He, he's donated to basically a bunch of Democrats, Lynn Wood. And now he's calling shocker of shockers. He's now calling for everybody to not vote for the Republicans. Genius move, genius move. By the way, you know who disagrees with this? President Trump. Trump said, we have to work hard for Senator Perdue and Senator Leffler. And so President Trump tweeted, we'll be going to Georgia for a big Trump rally in support of our two great Republican senators, David and Kelly. They're fantastic people who love their country and love their state. We must work hard and be sure they win. That, of course, is exactly correct. So whatever you think happened in this election cycle, don't be an idiot and sit out an election where you can keep an insane socialist anti-American. And I say anti-American advisedly because Raphael Warnock says that America is steeped in racism. He says that America is, is inherently racist. He, he has praised Jeremiah Wright. He, is, he, he did youth events for, for Castro when he came to his youth church or something back in the 90s. You want that guy sitting in the Senate or John Ossoff, the offspring of extraordinarily rich people who bought him a house in Washington, D.C. and now walks around parroting Bernie Sanders? You want that in the Senate because you're mad about what happened in Georgia? That's about the dumbest thing you could do. Okay, meanwhile, the media continue to fluff Joe Biden. So Jimmy Kimmel doing his best to fluff Joe Biden. He says, you know what? It's going to be such a boring four years, guys. It's going to be so boring. This is the media's line. When a Democrat is in office, there's nothing to cover and nothing to laugh about. We can't even make jokes. And Chris Rock once said that you literally could not make jokes about Barack Obama because of his godlike veneer. There was just no way to make jokes about him. He was inherently unfunny. And now we've got Jimmy Kimmel saying that Joe Biden, who is a doddering old fool who cannot string together a full paragraph, who broke his foot playing with his dogs like a week ago, that guy's not funny. It's just going to be a boring four years, guys, says Jimmy Kimmel. Weird, because uh, I noticed that you weren't very bored the last four years. Maybe that's Trump, and maybe that ain't. I'm going to go with it ain't. Here's Jimmy Kimmel. Our president-elect was out and about today showing off his brand-new orthopedic boot. Mr. President-elect, how does your foot feel? How's your foot? Good. <laughs> Thanks, Boniva. It's going to be a very boring four years. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And then there's your media asking tough questions like, how does your foot feel? Joe Biden. Solid stuff. How do you think his foot feels? He's wearing a boot. Yeah, it feels fantastic. Bob, everything's great. Solid stuff right there. Meanwhile, Politico honing in on the things that matter with regard to Joe Biden's picks. So I got to say, the left is so racist. The left is so unbelievably racist. They see other people simply in terms of their essentialist racist characteristics. It's, un it's incredible. It's incredible. Okay, so there's an article in Politico. It's called Lawmakers to Biden. Step it up on cabinet diversity. The next administration will feature a number of historic firsts, but lawmakers and advocates of color are pushing for more. This is a reported piece that took three reporters from Politico to put together. Megan Casella, Laura Baron-Lopez, and Alice Miranda Olstein. A very diverse group because they're all women. 
as the, as the media would put it. Here's what they say, quote, the faces of the economic team of President-elect Joe Biden unveiled publicly Tuesday included an African-American woman, a man born in Nigeria, an Indian-American woman, and just one white man. Okay, so let me just note right off the top that that's a horrible way to describe human beings. Is it not? Right? You, you see a group of supposedly well-qualified candidates, and you don't describe them as, you know, a, a former partner at some big firm or a former government official or what they have done in their life. You describe them simply by their racial characteristics. You know, things that they have had since they were born. It's like a Benetton ad. It's ridiculous. Okay, the faces of the economic team included a black woman, a man born in Nigeria, an Indian American woman, and just one white man. I mean, so, so basically we are now just picking faces from a catalog. Remember that time that, that Mitt Romney was ripped up and down for saying that he had binders full of women because he wanted women to fill cabinet positions? And the left was like, that's terrible. How could he do that? Well, now Politico is literally just running down Joe Biden's picks by, by noting their races and their sexes and presumably their sexual orientations. And I love this. The response from Asian American, Black, and Latino Democrats. It's not enough. Who thinks like this? Seriously, who thinks like this? I, I find this stuff so irritating. As a Jew, which is indeed a minority, and in fact, the most victimized minority in the United States if you take hate crimes per capita. As a Jew, it has never once occurred to me that when someone forms a cabinet or a financial team or a corporate team, that it is imperative that you have to put a certain number of Jews on the team. It's a ridiculous contention. Why would you? What the hell does that have to do with anything? Is it the genetics of having a Jewish mother that matter here? Or is it qualifications? Like, what, what are you talking about right here? But according to Politico, they want more representation, particularly in the cabinet. And after Representative Jim Clyburn, the most senior black member of Congress and a key Biden ally, spoke out last week about the need for more diversity in Biden's burgeoning administration, more black, Latino, and Asian American lawmakers are joining the chorus. Texas Representative Vincente Gonzalez, he said, we're very, very concerned as a community, as a Latino community. He called last week for at least five Latinos to be appointed to cabinet level positions. It doesn't matter which ones they are, presumably, just as long as they are Latino, which is crazy. Is there such a thing as like a Latino interest? I mean, seriously, like just there's a Latino perspective on the world. There's a black perspective. And th th you know who agrees with this? Racists, like actual, honest to God, neo-Nazis and alt-white racists believe this. Okay, and, and apparently the Democratic Party. This is mainstream. Asian-American and Pacific Islander advocates and officials are warning the Biden administration in writing it will be, quote, deeply disappointing if several Asian-American Pacific Islanders are not nominated to cabinet positions. They're growing increasingly convinced the president-elect will not match Barack Obama's total of three Asian-Americans in his first cabinets. Meanwhile, the CBC, the Congressional Black Caucus, is urging Biden to choose a black defense secretary and up the number of African-Americans leading departments overall. I'm sorry, this is the stupidest, most racist crap ever, ever. It is so stupid and so racist. And the fact that everybody is just like, oh, this is, you know, that's, it, it's important, guys. It's really important, the skin color of the people you are selecting. Now, you know what seems more important to me? The character of the people being selected by Joe Biden. So, for example, Politico also reported, and this seems like this should get more coverage, Alex Thompson and Theodoric Meyer reporting for Politico, Biden top economic advisor facing accusations of mismanagement and verbal abuse. And that, but she's a woman, so I guess it's okay, right? Is that, that's the way that works, apparently. A former colleague of Heather Bushi, a top economic advisor to President-elect Joe Biden, is publicly airing prior concerns that Bushi mismanaged the think tank she runs and verbally abused her and other subordinates, saying she wants to prevent future White House employees from enduring a similar experience. Claudia Sam, former director of macroeconomic policy at the Washington Center for Equitable Growth, Bushi's think tank, published an account of her and other former employees' experience working with Bushi on her personal website Tuesday night. 
She wrote that after her experience, I learned that Heather's abusive behavior was a pattern. Former subordinates and employees have alleged that Bushi was, quote, phenomenally incompetent as a manager and had frequent episodes of yelling and swearing. The complaints were serious enough. The think tank where she worked hired a management coach to work with her to improve her management style around 2015. So good times, good times. But the important thing is she's a woman. I mean, that, that's really what we should focus in on because it's, it's the diversity that matters right here. That, that is serious diversity that matters. We need a woman, even if she is abusive to people. So really, really good stuff. Okay, meanwhile, war is breaking out inside the Democratic Party over the direction of the Democratic Party. It was initiated by Barack Obama, who, oddly enough, was not actually cutting against the progressives. See, the real debate inside the Democratic Party is truly not over the future of the direction of policy. It isn't. I know there's some Democrats who believe that it is, like Joe Manchin, I think, believes that it is. I think Joe Manchin actually disagrees with many of the policy prescriptions of the Alexander Ocasio-Cortezes and the Rashida Tlaibs and the Ilhan Omars and such. By the way, Ilhan Omar tweeted out yesterday that we should cancel all rent and mortgage payments, which is pretty much the stupidest thing ever. She then tweeted out an article pointing out how stupid it was because she didn't even read the article. The bottom of the article said, this would be a bad idea because presumably thousands of people would lose their jobs. If you just cancel rent and cancel mortgage payments, banks eat the loss, have to not give as many loans, and people who are landlords simply stop developing further properties and so rents actually go up, which, of course, is, of course, true. OK, but the the debate inside the Democratic Party is very rarely between sort of honest to God moderates, you know, people like Abigail Spanberger in Virginia or Connor Lamb in Pennsylvania. It's, it's, it's usually not that. Usually, and this is the, the peculiar self-obsession of many of the Democrats, it's about how we approach the issue. It's not that we're wrong. It's that the American people are too stupid. So Barack Obama being raked over the coals because progressives are mad that he said that defund the police is a bad slogan. Now, defund the police happens to be an unbelievably crappy slogan. It also happens to be a terrible policy. Police departments need more money right now. Police departments should not be defunded right now. We are seeing skyrocketing murder rates in major cities across the United States. We are seeing massive increases in carjackings in Minneapolis. According to Hot Air, carjackings are up 537%. 537% percent. Over the past two months, Minneapolis police have logged more than 125 carjackings in the city. A troubling surge authorities had largely linked to a small group of marauding teens, but an increasing number of adults have been arrested in recent weeks for the same crime. According to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, within a one-hour period Saturday morning, police reported three separate carjackings in southeast Minneapolis, including one where an elderly woman was struck on the head. Such attacks are up 537 percent this month when compared with last November. Okay, 537 percent. I wonder how this could have happened. Could it be because the city council has voted to basically defund the police? It's a bad policy. But according to Barack Obama, it's not that it's a bad policy. It's that it's phrased badly. Because you see, according to Barack Obama, every single stupid thing he thinks is actually a wonderful thing he thinks. It's just you are too stupid to understand him. Okay, but the left is, is also too stupid to understand him. So instead of them being like, you know, maybe Barack's right. Maybe we could sell this garbage policy if we changed our verbiage. Instead, they're like, no, we want to sell garbage policy and garbage verbiage. The real debate in the Democratic Party ain't over the ends. It is only over the means. So here's Barack Obama and, and people on the right who are falling for this saying, oh, well, you know, Obama's moderate. He's against defunding the police. No, he's not. He's in favor of defunding the police. He just doesn't want to call it defunding the police, which was Obama's ploy always was to guide guys his radicalism in the language of, of moderate politics. Which he's not a moderate. Okay? But here's Barack Obama saying defund the police is a bad slogan. And then, of course, he gets clubbed about the ears by the squad. 
if you believe, as, as I do, that we should be able to reform the criminal justice system so that it's not biased and treats everybody fairly, I guess you can use a snappy slogan like, defund the police, but you know you've lost a big audience the minute you say it, which makes it a lot less likely that you're actually going to get the changes you want done. The key is deciding, do you want to actually get something done or do you want to feel good among the people you already agree with? Right. So at the very end, that's the party saying, right? Do you want to get something done or do you want to feel good? And the progressive left, they're like, we want to feel good. <laughs> that's their answer. And the best exchange of the, of the last week was Joe Manchin he said to find the police was a stupid idea. And AOC was like, she, she tweeted out a picture of herself like glaring at him during the State of the Union address last year. And he, and he said something in an interview like, I saw that she was glaring daggers at me and she put that picture out. But honestly, I don't know what she does other than tweet and do Instagram videos. And AOC was like, that's not true. I do hard legislative work. And then the next day she put out a bunch of t-shirts for $58 on her website. Not joking. That's a serious thing that happened. But the progressives are angry, angry with Obama. And this is the nature of the dumbest. Po our, our politics is so, as always, unbelievably, unbelievably stupid. So you have idiots on the right who are like, Barack Obama's a moderate. He said, don't defund the police. That's not what he said. He said, defund the police, just call it something else. And then you have the idiots on the progressive left. And they're like, he said, don't defund the police. And we want to say defund the police. So you ended up with Ilhan Omar, genius Ilhan Omar, tweeting out, we lose people in the hands of police. It's not a slogan, but a policy demand. And censoring the demand for equitable investments in budgets for communities across the country gets us progress and safety. Um, it's not a slow, it's a policy demand to defund the police. And then she proceeds to explain it without using the words defund the police. We lose people in the hands of police. She is from Minneapolis. The carjackings are up 537% year on year. We lose people in the hands of police. Other members of the squad were similarly mad. Rashida Tlaib, again, a it's the anti-Semitic the, the anti geniuses of the squad. She tweeted, quote, Rosa Parks was vilified and attacked for her civil disobedience. My favorite thing about the squad and Obama, really, it's all the same when it comes to the arrogance, right? They are all transformational figures in their own mind. So here is Rashida Tlaib comparing herself to Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks was vilified and attacked for her civil disobedience. She was targeted. It's hard seeing the same people who uplift her courage attack the movement for black lives that want us to prioritize health, funding of schools and ending poverty rather than racist policed systems. Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, she tweeted, the murders of generations of unarmed black folks by police have been horrific. Lives are at stake daily. So I'm out of patience with critiques of the language of activists. Whatever a grieving family says is their truth. And I'll never stop fighting for their justice and healing. And then you have Cori Bush of Missouri, right? A new adjunct member of the squad. At some point, she'll earn her senior assistant or her senior uh, associate membership. She says, with all due respect, Mr. President, Let's talk about losing people. We lost Michael Brown. You didn't lose Michael Brown. Michael Brown attacked a police officer and, and tried to shoot him with his own gun in his car. We lost Breonna Taylor. We're losing our loved ones to police violence. It's not a slogan. It's a mandate for keeping our people alive. Defund the police. I, I, again, I love the fact that the progressives are so stupid that they are like, Barack Obama, he must oppose defunding the police if he doesn't want us to use the slogan. He literally said he likes defunding the police. He just wants you not to use the slogan. And for people on the right, I've been seeing it all over the place. People on the right who want to fall for the trap that Barack Obama is actually a moderate, that Barack Obama is actually a unifying force. He is not. He is just trying to hide the ball. At least Cori Bush and Ayanna Presley and all these jokers, at least these idiots are actually saying what they think out loud. Obama's like, say it quietly, guys. Say it quietly. And they're like, we don't want to say it quietly. You think Obama wants to stop the squad? No, he doesn't want to stop the squad. Here was Obama in that same interview 
saying that he wants AOC to be given more time at the Democratic National Convention. One thing I will say about the Democratic Party, promoting young people is really important. We stick so long with the same old folks and don't make room for new voices. You know, the Democratic National Convention I thought was really successful considering the pandemic, but you know, the fact that an AOC only got, what, three minutes or five minutes? Good evening, bienvenidos. And thank you. When, you know, she speaks to a broad section of young people who are interested in what she has to say, even if they don't agree with everything she says, new blood's always good. Okay, yeah, so this guy, yeah, he's the one who's going to put a lid on the radicalism inside the Democratic Party. So here's the deal. Maybe Joe Biden represents sort of the old guard of the Democratic Party. Maybe he's more like Joe Manchin. He actually opposes some of these policy prescriptions. Or maybe he doesn't. But the bottom line is that the momentum is not with him. It is with the squad. It is with the defund the police crowd. They can try to paper it over with these niceties. But that papering is not going to last very long. It ain't going to last long at all. All righty, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Nick Sheehan and Rebecca Doyle. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. President Trump vows to run again if he loses. Just 12 votes separate congressional candidates in New York, and Wales is getting ready to institute a vaccine passport. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 